fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile We are thrilled to welcome on Thor Nystrom at Thor Koo, KU. He is NBC Sports Edge's senior college football analyst, a legit college scout. Thor won the 2018 FSWA College Sports Writer of the Year Award. That's not enough. He's been honored by Rolling Stone Magazine, as well as the Best American Essay Series. I'm so thrilled to welcome him back. It was a blast last year picking his brain. He's one of my go-to college football analysts, and now I get to dive into this 2020 rookie class with you. Thor, thanks so much for coming back on. How are you doing today? Dude, it's good to see you. It's good to be back. I'm doing well. Awesome, man. And as I mentioned at the top, we'll be breaking down this 2020 rookie draft, and I'm going to kind of frame this by draft day decisions and dilemmas, kind of going from that top to bottom, a standard about four-round rookie draft, get Thor's takes on some of those toughest decisions you guys might be facing. Um, and the way I'll kind of break them down, to is I'll give you know where Thor has them ranked as well as their draft capital as I introduce the player. And starting right at the top is Brees Hall. He's kind of that 101 lock, it seems, in rookie drafts going before everybody else. Thor, do you think that is exactly who belongs at the top of the draft? He was your running back one. What are your thoughts on Brees Hall? Yeah, non-superflex leagues, I think that's fair for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think he's going to uh, sort of market or corner the market share in in, in New York. You know, I, he's going to push out, unfortunately for Michael Carter, you know, I, I think he's going to push him out. I think he's going to push everyone out. He's a three-down guy. He's super versatile. He, he's going to be – he's certainly going to have the early down work, but I think he's also going to be getting all the passing down work. He's the bell cow that, that they've been looking for and that's going to help out Zach Wilson. So, yeah, I, I, I think he's the first pick, yeah. I know. I remember last time I had you on last year, you mentioned Michael Carter was maybe the best pass catching back of last year's class. Do you see this being, I mean, I love every time you hear bell cow, it it just makes me just want to go crazy for fantasy football wise. Do you think there's any sort of committee here? Cause I, Brees Hall is quite the receiver in his own right. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, Carter could take some of the passing down work, but I I mean, I I think Hall is going to take most of it. Um, Hall isn't, he, he could still use some work there. Like, you know, as far as route running, he's not super duper developed. Like at, at, at Iowa State, it was mostly just dump off stuff. And then he would run after the catch and break tackles and stuff like that. And, you know, he's good at that. He doesn't drop any balls and he does break the tackles. He gets you yak yard and stuff like that. The, the 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 other stuff he's going to have to develop as far as the route running and stuff like that. And then he, he gives effort as a pass blocker, but, he, you know, he's still improving in, as far as that stuff goes. You know, but like I said, I, I think Carter can steal a little bit of that work from him. But I mean, who are we kidding here? I, I don't think Carter is going to, you know, be the guy that they prefer in those situations initially to to, to Hall. So I, I think it's just going to be Carter giving him a blow in, in some of those scenarios as opposed to being the guy that they prefer there. Love to hear it. The seventh most targets among running backs were the Jets last year. 11th best line, according to Pro Football Focus, and they didn't even have their main guy for most of it. So a lot of people, that's eh, not the best offense. It's gross. I think it's a great spot, and I, I think he's definitely the guy I would go at 101 as well. Your Matt Forte comparison, love that, and maybe even a little faster there with that 4-3-3 speed. So great. Faster Matt Forte, sign me up all day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. 
doesn't get much better than that. Next on the rookie draft list, he sometimes goes at two, anywhere between you know two and and usually by seven is Kenneth Walker, the running back two on your big board uh, among the backs, and typically ranked that way as well. Do you think he because there's a lot of people saying because there's such a big gap between him and the next backs in this class that he belongs all the way at number two in rookie drafts. There's also a great receiver class, especially at that top tier, that we're going to break down as well. So how do you approach Kenneth Walker? Do you think he belongs like right after Brees Hall in terms of a rookie draft? Would you go receivers above him? And, and what do you see and what do you like about Kenneth Walker in general? Yeah, th- that would be more of a, a coin flip for me. Um, that, that one's a little bit closer. And, and really, it's just because Kenneth Walker, there's not as much of a receiving utility um, I thought it was funny that the Seahawks put out that video right away of, of Kenneth Walker catching that pass, you know, at their rookie camp. It's like, oh, the, you know, the Seahawks were like, oh, look, at he could catch the ball. It's like, I, I know different. You know, he, he didn't really do much of that in college. And Kenneth Walker is a guy who makes business decisions and pass pro. You know, it's sort of the opposite of Brees Hall. Kenneth Walker does not want to pass protect. But he's one of the most special, just pure runners that we've seen come into the NFL in the last several years. That's his special size. So, he, I mean, he is going to, you know, initially he is going to get the ball an F ton, you know, just as far as a, as a runner. So I, I think that, you know, that's what the utility is there. Um, as far as like apples to apples and fantasy drafts against one of the receivers, Drake London's going to get the ball a ton in, in, in year one. So I, I think that's where, you know, the probably the decision but would be him against Drake London. But, you know, I, I love I love Kenneth Walker a lot going forward. It's just how much is he going to give you, you know, as far as a, a receiver? And I think that would come down to what what what's your league scoring, right? Like, is it a PPR league? Is it a non-PPR league? In a PPR league, uh, Kenneth Walker is going to get hurt a little bit more just because, again, I, I, I just don't see him providing a ton as a receiver during his career. Yeah, it's a really interesting point there. By the way, feel free to let any of the uh, fuck bombs slip. This is a uh, explicit pod. We always okay, mark okay. it as that. So you're welcome to let that slip anytime uh, for sure. Do you see, you know, Rashad Penny obviously had that monster stretch to the end of last year. Do you think this is a committee or is Walker just that much better of a pure runner? I mean, the draft capital was certainly there where they trade up and got him. Like, what are your thoughts on, is this a committee at all? Or how do you see the workload shaking up between those guys? Rashad Penny fucking sucks. I, no, sorry. I just, <laughs> I was way too excited to get on my first up. Um, no, I've, no, I've never been a Rashad Penny fan. I, I do not see him as any, you know, not impetus, uh, impediment whatsoever to, to Kenneth Walker. Um, and I, you know, I think that the draft equity that they sunk into Kenneth Walker you know, yeah. would would tell you that they they love Kenneth Walker. Um, you know, I, I think it's sort of the same thing with with my, that we were talking about with Michael Carter. I I, I think you know, uh, Rashad Penny is going to be the guy that gives him a blow, but I, I don't think he's going to be you know the the guy that's stealing touches from him. I, I think Kenneth Walker is going to be the guy right away. Love to hear it. Indeed. And we already have you know, Pete Carroll talking about we need to get back to our roots and ground and pound it more. And he already has been one of the most run heavy coaches, even with Russell Wilson under center. So now you're looking at it's going to be handoff after handoff. I would be shocked if they don't lead the league in rushing. I mean, maybe the Ravens will push for that, too. But it's going to be a, you know, a humongous ground pie, even if there's a little bit of a division. Kenneth Walker could still approach him. Well, especially with their quarterback play. I mean, my God, the, right. the, the fact that they, they're going to roll it forward with, with Drew Locke and then Geno Smith, it's, it's fucking insane. I, like, I, I don't get it. Disgusting. 
I, I don't either. We'll, we'll talk about your boy, Malik. Well, I know, you know, you were so high on him, as was I. I love the player. I don't understand how they pass up on him as many times as they did because that offense could be exciting as all hell. You put him back there. We'll, we'll get to that, though, when we get to quarterbacks because, yeah, I can't wait to, to hear your take on what happened with him, man. I, still, that's one of the, probably the biggest question I have in my mind about that draft and what happened there. But we are going in order of uh, the, uh, the actual draft picks. You mentioned Drake London would be kind of that either him or Kenneth Walker, depending on your scoring, depending on your team needs as well for Dynasty. So I imagine if we're shaking out this top tier, Drake's kind of the clear guy for you. I had an assumption he was your wide receiver one coming into the draft. He's the first wide receiver off the board in the NFL draft. So what did you love about him and how do you like this fit in Atlanta right now? Yeah, he can he can do a whole lot of things. You know, like when when you talk about his evaluation, a lot of the thing that you're talking about is is the ball skills, the the downfield utility, stuff like that. He's really big. He, he, he's really long. He can get up in the air. Um, he has an enormous catch radius. And, you know, he's, he sort of has this catch radius of an Indian god. And if you get the ball within it, he's going to come down with it. And so, you know, you have to keep a deep, deep safety back because no no cornerback can go up one-on-one with him. But the, but the other thing about him, it's not just that. Like um, USC, I, I think it was like he had like two and a half screen catches per game. And and beyond that, his his yards per catch after the screens was was really really high. So it's like it's a guy who you know both the deep the deep game is is there, also the short game, and then you know the intermediate stuff he can do that as well. So so you you know it's like a golfer that's that's you know really good at putting. He's really good at driving, and he, he's really good at chipping. So you know I mean you, you sort of had the, the the fully fledged game there. I, I you know I I just sort of like everything about his game, and then. As, as far as the fit, it's, you know, I mean, the team sucks, but it's a really good fit for him because it's, you know, it's this black hole of a receiving core, but you have, you're, you get to play with Kyle Pitts your entire career. And how mm-hmm. awesome is that? Like, you know, I was talking about the thing of like, you have to keep a deep safety back. You just have to, because if you don't, he's going to beat the cornerback one-on-one deep every single time. Well, it's the same thing with Kyle Pitts. So if, if you send both those guys deep on the opposite sides of the field, it's a pick your poison scenario for the defense. And if you're, if you're keeping two safeties back now, all of a sudden, you know, Atlanta might be able to run, even though they don't have any running backs. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we'll see about that. I'm not a big fan of Tyler, Tyler Algier. We, we can get back to that later, but um, you know, I, I think it's a really good fit and and they're certainly going to pepper him with targets in year one because they don't have anybody else outside of Kyle Pitts. Yeah, uh, I mean, 100% agreement. I think that's kind of become the consensus for all the reasons you mentioned. The skill set, every single layer of the field, especially the contested catches, the Mike Evans comparisons, yes. getting tossed out there, and it doesn't seem unrealistic at all to see a you know career parallel of that. Yeah, the quarterback is definitely questionable. That's kind of what's the issue with a lot of these top guys as we sift through the rest of it is none of them landed with Pat Mahomes or, or Aaron Rodgers, and we'll talk about the two that did. Next question, but... All the, the top talents, all the top-ranked guys seem to get these unideal situations as we break it down. But while we do, Wolfpack, if you haven't already, please consider hitting that thumbs-up button, shares, likes, retweets, all that stuff does continue to help us grow and get this out to more people. So please consider doing that for us and helping us grow Wolfpack. It is so greatly appreciated as we welcome on Thor Nystrom of NBC Sports Edge. Now, continuing with that rest of the tier, we got Drake at the clear lock at the top. Seems to be what everybody's expecting. But what about Wilson, Olave, Jamison Williams, you know, Traylon Burks? They seem to be the consensus next four off the board. Uh, between them, Walker, like 
through pick seven, that's kind of it. You got your your lock Brees Hall. You got Kenneth Walker somewhere in there, and then these five receivers. So after Drake, how do you kind of rank Wilson, Olave, Jamison, and Burks? Yeah, so Burks is the guy that I would have a little bit lower. Um, his acclimation process. Well, I, I will say, as far as the NFL fit, he he got lucky that they you know the team that that took him they they traded AJ Brown. So at least he's going to get to play early. But as as far as just the prospect it's going to take him a little bit longer because in college he was a force manufactured touch guy close to the line of scrimmage, you know, sort of like in recent years, Rondale Moore, LaVisca Chanel, guys like that, where they, they were by far the best, you know, skill players on their team. And so their teams would, would, would move them around the formation, force them the ball within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, and then be like, you manufacture offense for us, as opposed to we're going to stick you in one spot and then develop you there. Right. And so now, you know, going to the NFL, if Tennessee expects Traylon Burks to line up at one spot, the X, the Z, whatever it's going to be. And then, you know, we, we expect you to be a standout at that one spot right away. I think they're going to be sorely mistaken. He also looked to be out of shape, you know, initially at, yeah. at the rookie camp, which, which wasn't a, a great you know thing right away. So I, I think he's going to start slow. Unfortunately, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, Wilson, you know, I, I think that could be okay right away. He, he's in a, a pretty good spot. I, I think that receiving court could be all right. You know, I mean, you got, you got, um, Elijah Moore inside. You got, um, um, the, the fifth pick on the other side from several years, uh, Davis on, on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and it, Wilson can run the routes really good. So I, I you know, I, I think, you know, you got a field stretcher, you, you got your slot guy, you know, that, that can create separation and Wilson's one of the best guys in this class at, at creating separation. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a good fit for him. I'm a huge fan of Olave. He doesn't have the, the best quarterback situation of, of, of the kids that got drafted in this class, but, um, you, you want to talk about a kid that creates separation. I mean, that, that kid yeah. creates separation like you and I breathe, you know, I mean, like he, he's, I mean, I mean, he, he could lead the NFL in receptions, you know, one of the years of his career, you know, just because he, he create creates separation so easily. Um, so I, you know, I was a huge fan of his game. I, I actually ranked him wide receiver two in this class. Yeah. I, I'm just a huge fan of his, of his game. I, and, and I ranked him 11th overall in the class. He ends up going 11th overall, you know, in the draft. Um, and then Jamison Williams, um, you know, I mean, he, he, I'm not sure if he's going to start the season, you know, coming off of that injury. I, I don't know if he'll be healthy week one. We'll, we'll see. Um, but certainly, you know, once he starts playing, he's another guy that's going to get an F ton of targets, yeah. right? Because, you know, th- of course they have a Monra, but on the outside, the, what did the Lions have? They basically had nothing. So, that, you know, I mean, Jared Goff is going to be looking Jamison Williams' way a whole lot once he gets onto the field. He just is. So, I mean, he's he going to get a lot of targets. And then the, the other kid, oh, Jahan Dotson. I, I was really interested just as far as the commander's strategy where you were sitting 11. We knew from the pre-draft process, all the reports coming out right before the draft, that there was going to be that wide receiver on. Every single, you know, plugged-in reporter was reporting, you know, there there could be four receivers in the first, you know, 12 or, you know, you know, all this different stuff. And it turned out it was like six of the first 18 and then, you know, however many. Well, the, Washington was right, was sitting right in there, right? They were sitting at 11. Yeah. They, they end up trading out of it. The team they trade with takes one of the, the consensus four top receivers. Washington trades out of the spot where they could have gotten one of the top four. And then they, you know, they basically trade right out of that slot. So now they're at 16 where they're out of the, the top four guys, they take Dotson, who is my wide receiver five. Um, 
I don't know if they saw him as, you know, a part of, they didn't see it as a top four. They saw it as a top five or what? I thought that was really weird. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't really get that at all. But if they see him, you know, as, as sort of higher ilk than the rest of us, maybe he starts out a little bit quicker. The, the, the issue is, you know, for me, why I dropped him a little bit lower. And I, I don't hate him. You know, I, I ranked him 25th overall. It's You didn't get to see him do as much stuff down the field in college. He was another guy where he was forced a, a metric ton of touches closer to the line of scrimmage, in, part, in large part because of this college situation. Penn State had a, a quarterback who had a wet noodle arm. They had a terrible offensive line, and they didn't have any running you know game whatsoever. They, their running back stunk as well. So Jahan Dotson was their entire offense couldn't get the ball down the field the the quarterback and even if he could he didn't really have the time to throw the ball can Jahan Dotson win down the field that I'm not sure of he does have really really good hands and he is super duper sodden and super athletic I'm just not sure if if his game it's it's going to facilitate not a big kid you know so so that I'm not sure of um you know but you know he can you know closer onto the line of scrimmage, you know, he, he can do that sort of stuff. He can create, you know, the separation there, but not every receiver can win down the field, especially, you know, the, the, the smaller receivers, stuff like that, but he is going to get the targets for sure. You know, and he's going to start right away as well across from McLaren. So he he's going to get targets as well. Um, you know, he, he's going to have fantasy utility right away as well. It's an interesting thought about him because the draft capital is certainly there. He does have the four four three speed, so he could potentially burn if that comes out on the the actual game speed too. And for all his faults, you know Carson Wentz did rank top half in the league on his deep passing accuracy. I I couldn't believe it when I read that stat. It doesn't seem right, but you know that's that's what he was recorded by Pro, Pro Football Focus. So maybe that will unlock a, a level to his game we haven't seen. They've already talked about his his interior route running. So that you suggest that like what you're getting at, he wins at the line, he wins inside nice little slot could get peppered early and often. So for immediate productivity, he might be one of the better guys. It, it does bring up that debate now of the draft capital, first round guy, top 16 pick versus some of these other guys, Christian Watson landing with Aaron Rodgers. you know, premier spot, top quarterback as well as Sky Moore going with Pat Mahomes, even though he fell to wide receiver 13. And you also got George Pickens with not quite the quarterback play of those other two, but you know, he's certainly by the Steelers. That's always, you always want to take notice when the Steelers draft somebody. And those are typically the next four wide receivers off the board in fantasy drafts. You know, is it Dotson just because he was the first round receiver or do you feel strongly about any of these other four? I would probably say Dotson. Yeah. Um, but the, the other guys, I mean, like we have, you know, as, as far as like fantasy propositions, this is a pretty good year to, to, have, to have dynasty picks. You know, I mean, like a, a lot of those guys, pretty attractive. Like I, I would want to have Christian Watson on, on my, my dynasty team. You know, I, I would want to have Sky Moore on my, my dynasty team and fuck, I'd want to have George Pickens on my, my dynasty yeah. team. You know, and like th- this was there was all those receivers getting taken for a reason. Right. And a lot of them are in really good. They, a lot of them gotten really good landing spots. You know, it's funny, like, we'll just talk about Christian Watson, right? Like, and, and I like Christian. I, I ranked Christian Watson as a, as a first round prospect. I think I had him either 31 or, or 32 on my board. He ended up going, was it 33, 34? I think, I think, I think it was 30, they traded up. Yeah. Yeah. 34. Yeah. Um, with my Vikings, you know, it was a, that was a pretty shocking trade. Right. Um, <laughs> But like, so on the very first day at Mo, in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, I was standing there with with Eric Edholm, 
and we were looking of, of Yahoo Sports. We were looking down at the, the practice field and, and Christian Watson came out and we were both talking about how we were like super pumped to watch him because we'd seen him on film, you know, he, you know, doing all the deep stuff with, with Trey Lance, stuff like that. And we'd seen him blocking his butt off too. We'd seen him doing the the running, some of the running stuff, like the end around stuff. And then they bring him into the backfield and stuff like that. You'd seen all these sort of disparate, really interesting things of his game. But like, you were still wondering, like, trying to put it together in your head of like, you know, sort of what was the full package of his evaluation. But, you know, he's this 6'4 kid that, you know, 6'4, 210, that you thought was going to run in the 4'4s, maybe even the 4'3s, the you know, sort of reports, stuff like that. And, and Ed Holm turns to me and he goes, he goes, doesn't Watson look like a kid who came off the conveyor belt as a Green Bay Packer receiver? Wow. <laughs> and I was like, he sure does. And it's, it's so funny that he goes through the process and it ends up that he, he ends up on the Green Bay Packers and that they, they targeted him like that. And they, they targeted him as a replacement for Valdez Scantling, who was another guy that came off the conveyor belt as a Green Bay Packer receiver, although, you know, certainly further down the phylum. Uh, Christian Watson was sort of like Marcus Valdez Scantling, but he fell into a, like a, a radioactive vat, you know, like a goo and came out like, you know, like a, a monster version or whatever. He can do so many more things than Valdez Scantling, but it's sort of the same physical package, but just, you know, way better, you know, just and, and more refined skills or whatever. He, you, you have the deep ball utility, but again, you're going to be able to do this stuff. Like you could, you could bring him into the backfield. If you want, you can do the the trick stuff with him. You can bring, you know, the, the end around stuff like that. Um, I also think he's going to be better, you know, running routes that the intermediate stuff, the more uh, fleshed out uh, route tree than people think initially that that was the thing that we were looking for in mobile, just because we hadn't seen as much of it on tape, just because of the constitution of the NDSU offense, you didn't run as many routes in the intermediate sector. You know, it was more the deep stuff or the, the, the running stuff, but um, in mobile, he, he had a really good rapport with Kenny Pickett. And so you, we, we saw him against zone coverage, working around traffic, finding the soft spots, turning around, making himself available um, you know, and, and catching the ball, um, you know, working, p- picking around traffic, stuff like that. So I, I'm, I'm not concerned about that part of his game. And I think he's going to play early, you know, and I think he's going to get targets early. He, he was another guy, of course, that found a receiving core that, you know, that doesn't really have anyone. So, I, right. you know, yeah. And, and he, you know, is his game fully, fully fledged out right now? Is he at his ceiling? No, but he has special sauce things already, right? Like mm-hmm. the fact, the fact that he's six four two ten runs in the four threes and is really, really good downfield. That's going to play for the Packers right away. The fact that he blocks his fucking ass off, that's going to play for the Packers right now, right away. The fact that he can do the end around shit, the fact that you can bring him into the backfield, hand them, that's going to play right away. The, the intermediate stuff, like that stuff, like he's still working on it, but he's already flashing with it. Like you can yeah. still, you know, you, you can work with that stuff. He He's not falling on his face with it right now. So at least it's, it's playable. So he can get on the field right now. So, I, yeah, I, I think he's playable right now. I was going to say, because, you know, you mentioned a, a lot of these guys did end up with pretty wide open target situations, but not all of them landed with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Right. And that could either be the the boon and make him just blow up. A lot of the, the dynasty concern from folks right now is he is a little raw and Aaron Rodgers, you know, leans on the guys he trusts and he's going to shun him if he runs the wrong route or isn't there. Are you worried about that at all? Or did you see enough that you think this kid could just 
hit the ground running with Rodgers and, and potentially uh, who is it? Lazard and Randall Cobb's corpse. And like, there's no, there's nobody to throw to. If, if Watson has it, and he's got that rapport. He could walk right into 120 targets from Rodgers. So what, what, what do you think of that kind of duo? Do you think it will work out? Look, I, I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. I hate Aaron Rodgers with all of my soul. Aaron Rodgers, I think, is a fucking douchebag, but he's not an 100% idiot. 100% agree. <laughs> he, he, but he, he is not an idiot. And once he's, he gets on the field with Christian Watson and he compares him to his other options, he is not going to be asking for Christian Watson to be off the field. In fact, it's going to be the opposite. Um, <laughs> Christian Watson is so much more talented than, than all the other options that he has. And he, again, just the deep field utility alone is is going to have Aaron Rodgers begging to have Christian Watson on the field. Period. Like, like you remember the years where like uh, Richard Rodgers and shit like that. Like you know, we're, we're you know, like you know, he, you know, he, he, yeah, exactly. They're going to have Christian Watson on the field right away, a hundred percent. I don't know how many targets he's going to get, but he he's going to be playing and, and I think starting right away. I love to hear it. I mean. I originally between him and Jahan Dotson, I liked the the player and the capital of Dotson, but that that Aaron Rodgers just juice had me a little higher on Watson on my big board. Now I feel even more firmly if I'm drafting right there at six, seven, eight. I mean, it, he's almost creeping up to the other guys now for me. The more you talk about him here in terms of the Alave James, just because of the situation, the landing spot, I probably won't. I don't want to overvalue landing spot too much, but that that has me on these four names: the the Watson, Moore, Dotson, Pickens. I've got Watson. I already had Watson, and now I'm, I'm locking him in at this point. But but what about Moore? You know, I know he went – fell a little bit. Wide receiver 13 off the board. I believe you had him at wide receiver 8, so pretty high ranked going into it. He does land with Mahomes. Unlike, you know, Watson, there is Kelsey already there, but otherwise the wide receiver core is still – you know, Juju's the best potential option there. Maybe McCole Hardman has a year or – I, I don't know. They, they, it seems like a pretty wide open receiver core behind Kelsey. So do you see a role for more early on, or is it just a bunch of slot guys that's going to be tricky to, to separate from? Yeah, th- that one's it's it's a bit more of a quagmire and and more is he so he had he had it wasn't a tricky evaluation, but it was uh, um it, it was less straightforward with him than it was with Watson because what Watson it it's it, He's what he did at NDSU. He's going to do the same shit in the NFL. It's you know, it's like it's the six four two ten pop the top guy on the outside. Like it's like you know, it's the same thing. It it it, it it's an analog. It's a one to one translation to the NFL. Whereas with Sky Moore, you know, he was he's he's a little bit less than five ten one ninety one, and in the MAC he was an outside boundary receiver, which he's not going to be in the NFL probably. I mean. We'll see about that. I mean, the Chiefs might feel a little bit different. And I, I did comp him to Doug Baldwin because I, I don't think it's out of the question that, that he could play some outside receiver in, in the NFL. Um, but I, I do think he's probably headed towards the, the slot. He did cook everyone in, in the – you know, he, he, he was, he was uh, facing uh, uh, cornerback once every single time, was, was drawing the, the top cornerback from, from the opposing team every single time, cooked every single one on the outside, but is probably going to be transitioning to the inside. That, that's going to be a little – you know, it's not just, you know, you go inside and it's the easiest transition ever, he, although he did play a little bit of slot – um, it, it, you know, it, 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 in the Mac, but you're going to the NFL, you're jumping up from the 
back to the NFL. Now you're going to be going to the, the slot full time. And now the, the Chiefs have this situation, like you mentioned, where they have all these different guys. Some of them are new. So, so they're going to be figuring out all this different stuff. But Skymore is, is very, very talented. So he, he is going to be factoring into whatever the plan is immediately. What you like about him, very sudden off the line. The footwork is awesome off the line. You can't stop him off the line. That's why he was so good on the outside, even at his size. The, the, the releases off the line are, are just special. It's, you, you know, despite the size, you're not getting your hands off them and, and stopping them there. And then he, he just creates separation really good. And despite the size, despite his smaller catch radius, he has really good ball skills. So he's creating the separation, creating the throwing windows for the quarterback, and then he's going to come down with the ball. Caleb Ellaby is quarterback. He, he had a decent arm, but he wasn't the most accurate guy in the world. But Sky Moore created so many opportunities for him and then came down with the ball all the time. So he was like a godsend for Caleb. Bellaby. Um, I do expect him to get on the field right away, but the Chiefs have so much going on in that reconstituted thing. It's for me, that's not quite as clear as the Christian Watson thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Good uh, clarity coming here from Thor again at Thor Koo, if you follow along. Now, uh, as you move through the rookie draft, this has kind of become, whether we agree or not, the next few guys, especially towards the end of round one, James Cook and Rashad White, that, that, fantasy owners are looking at in these rookie drafts uh, certainly from the running back position they've kind of taken over that running back three running back four in early fantasy drafts a lot of obviously because of the pass catching prowess and ppr leagues and all that this has become a pretty popular debate amongst dynasty leaguers is which one deserves to go first cook or white do you have a as firm stance on which one you prefer between those two i'd probably take cook mm. yeah i'd probably take cook um just because yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, first of all, I think I think Cook is probably Cook doesn't have quite the. Um, well, I don't know. I, I I think he'll probably get the more touches. Um, you know, Tampa Bay. Um, you know, it, Buffalo. Well, you're sort of extrapolating like the the team's intentions with us, but Buffalo. Like, I, I think that they're going to be putting. I, I guess I would assume that they're going to be putting Cook on the the field a little bit more. Um, Devin Singletary, it's, it's interesting because Singletary can catch the ball. Um, you know, and I, I suppose Moss can just a little bit, but the, those guys are limited in, in their own ways. Um, whereas with, with Buff, or I'm sorry, with, with Tampa Bay, Lenny Fournette's going to get the early down work. Whereas I could see a scenario where even uh, James Cook could, could even potentially get some of the early down work for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's no chance that Rashad White gets the early down work early for Tampa Bay. So I, I guess that's why I would lean that way uh, for James Cook. I, I just, I, I think he's going to get the most touches in year one. Yeah. They've already talked about him, like mentioning him as a sub back, but they also said he could easily factor into those early downs. James Cook and Buffalo, uh, Bradley Bean was saying there, the GM in their post game conference said, yeah, I mean, Buffalo offense, they certainly, yeah. Singletary number two running back in fantasy for those last five weeks in fantasy playoffs, but I still, I, it doesn't seem anything special to me. So I, I'm with you there. His path to playing time, Cook, seems a lot clearer to me. Um, and as a player, I mean, I know you, you had Cook higher at running back five versus White at running back seven, too. So talent seems to be a little bit higher there. A guy that you had at running back four, and a lot of people are starting to fall in love with because he seems to be in an open path to volumes, Damian Pierce. The guy you had at three, who I had at three, who a lot of us had at three, Isaiah Spiller, ended up falling all the way to running back nine in the draft. So he's starting to fall in rookie drafts because of the draft capital. Although I don't know if I necessarily agree with that given chargers quite an offense to land in and not much ahead of him other than Eckler. 
Uh, and then Brian Robinson also kind of rounding out the running backs. You see it going in round two. Do you think between Pierce going to Houston, Spiller and the Chargers and, and Robinson with the football team or any other names that you'd, you'd toss into there, wh- what do you think of those three? Did you have a personal favorite of them? Yes, Pierce. Pierce is the guy that I'd be like the Jim Cramer hitting the bye, bye, bye <laughs> or whatever um, button. Pierce, it, just because it's well, first of all, I like Pierce as a player um, and he can he he with Pierce, he can be on the field all the time. Um, but the other thing is, it's such a perfect landing spot because Houston sucks. And and the, the running back room is a, another one of those hollowed out Prater things. They and they could really use a three down back next to Davis Mills. Damian Pierce, and a part of this is, is, is again, the, the context of the situation of the player in discussion, where he came from. Last year, Florida was a flaming dumpster fire. And then the coach, Dan Mullen, was an effing idiot. Dan Mullen, going back years, has always done these running back rotations. When Damian Pierce, when he went into college, that was good news for him. Right, right away, he got to be a part of the rotation. But last year, when Damian Pierce was clearly the best running back, was bad news because then the guys lower than him, which weren't nearly as good, they were cutting into his timeshare when they should not have been. Mm-hmm. Damian Pierce only had like 100 touches last year um, when he should have had way, way more than that. And I, I looked into a bunch of his different stats. You guys can look it up on like my running back rank because like the scouting reports if you want. But like out of his 100 touches, it was something like 35 of them came against stacked boxes and he, he had some ludicrous amount of uh, broken tackles like w- within them, ludicrous amount of touchdowns w- within them. Um, and then, you know, the, the passing uh, down utility is really, really good with him. Uh, really good receiving back. And then he's one of the best passing uh, pass blocking backs in, in this class as well. So he's going to be able to play right away. He breaks a bunch of tackles. Like I mentioned, I, I think I comped him to David Montgomery um, I, I, I see his utility as extremely analogous to David Montgomery. And then he can do the same stuff coming in right away. The, the same stuff that David Montgomery did right away for, for the Bears. I think you can you can imagine the same thing with, with Pierce. I, I think he's going to start really quickly uh, for the Texans. And as far as a, a fantasy thing, I think he's going to be the surprise back this year. Nice. So that, that Eli Mitchell type of guy that just kind of blows up onto the scene. A thousand percent. Yeah. Okay. It, 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 it's a situation thing. And again, the NFL situation, it's a confluence of two things. The NFL situation was perfect that he got into. And then the context of his last situation is the reason why people are undervaluing him coming into the NFL. Love it. Love all that. So, sounds a little bit like Alvin Kamara. That since I know not the same player at all, but was underutilized and kind of undervalued because of it. And, once he got the usage, lit it up in that sense. 1,000%. 1,000%. Interesting, interesting. Maybe I got to bump this guy up. I, I don't have him too low. I have him a little bit below Spiller, but I, the volume is certainly there for the taking. So I might I bump him above him. Spiller. Okay. For, 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 for fantasy, yeah. I, I love it. Uh, excellent take there. Now, moving into the one, round two receivers, that's where we had, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown blow up, fell into most rookie round twos last year some interesting names going in that area as david bell going to the browns deshaun watson probably uh who knows how long but we'll see that ends up being he was the wide receiver 15 in your rankings wide receiver 16 off the board alec pierce your wide receiver 11 was the wide receiver 12 going to the colts we got john mechie who you were a little bit lower on wide receiver 18 became the wide receiver nine going over to houston Tolbert's also coming off the board in that range. Wide receiver 10 in your rankings, wide receiver 15. Great spot to the Cowboys. And last but not least, another round two wide receiver, Wandale Robinson, 
your wide receiver 12 was the eighth receiver off the board going to the Giants. So I know it's a, a lot of names to toss at you, but does one stand out to you as your favorite of these round two receivers to maybe be that next Amon Ra or type of blow up in round two? Um, well, I I like David Bell enough. I you know, I'm not gonna say like like blow up, but um maybe in the same like uh, Amon Ra, you know, he's not like a, a star, so maybe in the in the same sort of a way. Like David Bell is he's gonna be a solid possession guy. Like his 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 ceiling is capped, but like I could see him being not not I shouldn't say the same guy as he was in college, but like he's going to be a solid possession guy in the NFL. He's just not going to be a star. He you know he's a well built guy. He has great ball skills and he runs really good routes. He also knows how to use his body. the The only problem with him it's it's the limited athletic profile thing. Yeah. And and you can see that on film. I mean, like it was not a surprise to anybody that he tested poorly. In fact, it's sort of the opposite. We're like, most of us like to do this. We're big fans of David Bell. Like we loved watching him like every Saturday and we were like crossing our fingers. that He was going to test yeah. better. We had to rank him lower because of the, the testing. You, you can't rank a guy that the tests like that, like as a second round guy or a first round guy, you just can't. So I had to bump him down, you know, and you know, he ends up going around where I, where I had him or whatever, but um, you know, that being said, I do think he's going to be a solid possession guy in the NFL and he ends up going to a really good spot. I, I think, right. Like it's a team that, that not only has a true number one receiver, it also has the super athletic guy that can pop the top in, 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 you know, in, in deep paid, deep, deep people's Jones over yeah, there. Yeah. I, I, was trying, I, was, I was trying to do the acronym and I, I couldn't get it out. So, so you got those two guys. And then you also have the, the good quarterback. You also have the assuming, assuming he plays. And then you also have the, the good running game. And so you talk about a good scenario for, for David Bell in college at Purdue, when he wasn't playing with Rondale Moore, which happened a lot, because, well, especially last year, Rondale Moore wasn't there. But also when, when Rondale was, Rondale was, was banged up a lot. So they didn't actually see the field a lot uh, together. But when they weren't, defenses could um, shade at, at David Bell. And so you could see double coverage, which, you know, obviously wasn't great for him. He, he never going to see double coverage in the NFL. Like that's, you know, that's one of the good things for him going forward. He's just, he's not explosive enough to, to, to garner that sort of attention against single coverage uh, and, and against the, the number two or number three cornerback of the NFL team. Um, that's a, it's a very good scenario for him that that is going to play up his, his possession ethos. He, he's not going to put up the enormous yardage numbers, et cetera, but could he catch a bunch of balls in the NFL and start right away? Yeah, I think he could. So, I mean, that's a guy I would keep, keep an eye on, you know, I mean, again, is he ever going to star in the NFL? No, but it, could he play right away and, and catch a bunch of balls? Yeah, I, I think he probably could. So, so, so that would be a guy that, that would interest me. Um, Tolbert's a good player. I mean, Tolbert's a, a he's a pop the top guy. I comped him to Gabriel Davis. It, it's Ooh. sort of, you know, in analogous, like you saw Gabriel Davis in that playoff game. It, 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 it's sort of the same thing where it's like, he, that's what he does. It's get down the field and catch the ball deep or force the defense to keep guys back. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's, it, it's just sort of the, the, the same sort of a deal. So you, you mentioned it was, it was a pretty good landing spot for him. You know, I, I think that was, it was a good spot. I'm a big fan of Wandale Robinson, you know, like um, my only concern with him, it, it was the smaller catch radius. I actually ranked, ranked Wandale as wide receiver 10 earlier in the process. And then mm-hmm. I was like looking at the historical, um, catch radius numbers and like yeah there were so few guys that had the catch radius of uh Wandale that it succeeded in the NFL that like uh, I was like crunching the the analytics on it and and like I, I think I overthought it and so I bumped him down to 12 
like I, I sort of, you know, whatever. And he ends up going a little bit above that or whatever. But on film, I love the kid, love the kid, love the kid. Every time I watch Wandale Robinson, he was smoking people. Like I, I'm a huge Iowa Hawkeye fan. He cooked Iowa every time he played him. But the year before, you know, th- this past year, it was with uh, Nebraska. He destroyed Iowa. And then this past season, it was with Kentucky. He was the only reason that Kentucky beat Iowa in the bowl game. So I, I actually hate Wandale Robinson because he, <laughs> he killed my teams every single year. He is one hell of a player. He is so much better than, um, for instance, um, the kid they took in the first round, uh, Tony. He, I mean, th- they're not the same kind of player because Wandale Robinson can run routes and win in the intermediate area and, mm-hmm. and, and even downfield a little bit, whereas Kadarius Tony categorically cannot. Um, Kadarius Tony is no impediment whatsoever to Wandale Robinson. Wandale Robinson is a better player. As far as John Mechie, the reason I'm lower on him is he is a non-explosive small slot receiver who is coming off an ACL injury. Mm-hmm. Now he's he's going he is reliable. He has good hands and he runs good routes. And he's going to you know a receiving core where ostensibly he's going to be playing early. Um, Nick Saban loves him. I, I think that's the reason why, more or less why the NFL was super high on him because Nick Saban, you know, was like put the, this he, Nick Saban spoke higher of John Metry than he spoke yeah. just about damn near anyone. Um, but again, like the way that I see, um, you know, it's, it's sort of like basketball positions when you think of, about like receiver, you know, like the, the different receiver spots or whatever for, for my slot guy, I want an explosive guy there. And if I can't have a, an, an explosive guy there that, that can, that can you know, do different things, can stretch the defense different ways, then I would prefer the big slot, right? Mechie's not either of them. He's not a big guy, and he's not the guy that can stretch you either way. He, he's the small guy that's sort of like the efficiency uh, type slot. And also, again, he's coming off the injury. We didn't get to see him during the pre-draft testing. So that, that's sort of why I'm out on him. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I all makes sense. Love it all. Do you have out of all those names? Was your favorite Bell, or did you like? If you had to pick one of them, who who do you like out of them? Wandale, Bell, Alec Pierce, Mechie, Tolbert. Like, if you're drafting a fantasy draft, I would block as a. I would dynasty league. Yeah. As definitely as a prospect, Juan Dale. Um, the only reason I'm hedging is just because of fantasy, because he, he might not be in the best. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll say Juan Dale, backed up by by David Bell. Gotcha. Um, and I do want to ask you before we let you go about Willis and the quarterback position, how you approach it. But the the last like non quarterback I wanted to just quickly mention is Trey McBride. I mean, obviously the, the tight end one on your board and pretty much everybody's entering it. He goes to Arizona, definitely a pass happy offense here. How early do you think is too early to draft this guy compared to some of these names we've been talking about? You know, does he stack up below them? Would he stack up ahead of them? If you were drafting your rookie dynasty draft, where are you targeting Trey McBride? Oh man, um, probably be man. I don't. I don't. Wh- where has he been going? I haven't even. I haven't even done one yet. Typically probably. in like the middle around two, kind of around the receivers, okay. the Bells, the Wandales, the Damian Pierces. Like he doesn't do, you usually go around one, but kind of in that mid round two to end of round two is. Yeah, I, I would definitely have him behind Pierce. I would mm-hmm. definitely have him behind. I would have him behind Bell. I would have him behind Wandale. I'd probably have him above Pierce, though. Um, I would have him above like Tyquan Thornton and like some of those guys. Yeah, I'd have him above Mechie. 
that, that some people would probably find that scandalous, but um, that, that's probably where, where I'd have him. Like he's, I do think he's going to get on the field a little bit early on, but like they have um, Ertz, uh, yeah. Ertz, yeah. But like McBride, he's he's super versatile. You know, where like he can do, he can play. You know, in line, he can play in the slot. He can be H back. So like, I do think they can get him on the field just a bit, even you know if it's in conjunction with Ertz early on. Um, you know, certainly, you know, in 2023 and going forward, you're going to see him on the field more. Um, yeah. You know, I think that would be the utility. But, yeah, I, I think probably like mid to late second round, maybe like in my head, just ballparking it probably. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of where he's going. That's kind of where I have him, too. But certainly if you can sustain that early development, it's typically the case for rookie tight ends. If you're not Kyle Pitts, we saw Ertzi, the fourth most targets among tight ends last year, free agent next year, going to probably be out of there and the. This big athletic freak is potentially the number one guy starting in that role. I could see him as early as next year being like a top seven tight end in fantasy. So if you can play that long tail game, I'm, I'm all in on him. But yeah, if you wrap up here, I know we're, we're right on, on the uh, time here, but I want to hear quickly, if you don't mind, your take on one, what happened to Willis and kind of what's your approach to the quarterbacks in this class? Because you had Pickett, believe it, quarterback four or five, if I'm looking at it right here. Uh, yeah, quarterback four. He ended up going the only first round quarterback, really the only one starting and looking like a starter as a year one guy. And Willis, you know, I'm the guy is my number one quarterback entering the draft. No idea what happened to him. Kind of what, what's your take? What, what happened here? Yeah, I'm, I'm still stunned about what happened uh, yeah. to Malik Willis. It, and, and nobody really has explained it to me adequate, adequately, you know, mm-hmm. I, like, the NFL didn't expect it to happen. I, I can, I mean, th- this is self-apparent because Malik Willis would not have been in the green room if they could have, right? Like yeah. they, they wouldn't have brought him there if they didn't think he was going to go in the first round. By the way, if, if Kenny Pickett had gone above 20, I think Malik Willis would have been the 20th pick. So Maybe. like yeah. it's, it's, you know, some of this stuff is just sliding doors, you know, like it's, it, yeah. you know, some of it's just circumstantial and stuff like that. And, um, you know, one thing happens and then all of a sudden the, the you know, s- stuff starts going one way and whatnot and, 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 you know, stuff ends up happening. But like the way that I see Malik Willis, it has not changed. You know, my, my take on that prospect, it, it remains the exact same. I, I think that the Titans got one of the great steals that, that I've seen in the draft. I, and I think he is going to be great in the NFL. Now, the, what I said in the pre-draft process, it still stands. And I think this is the, you know, the, the one thing that you can explain for the reason that he dropped. He has to sit in year one. That that just is the case. There's a risk aversion in the NFL. And the other thing, you know, where the difference between my job and, and people picking in the NFL is when you're picking in the NFL, you, you want to succeed, right? Like, you know, like your, right. your job is dependent on, you know, like this coming year, right? Like the short term or whatever. The, sometimes you don't want to have to wait for a guy or whatever because your job might be on the line, whereas yeah. mine's not. Like it's it's easy for me to say like, oh, take him because he's going to, you know, if he just learns to read the, the quarters, you know, coverage or whatever, he's going to be a star after that. Um, so, you know, th- that's a part of it. But like Malik Willis found the absolute perfect situation, right? Mm-hmm. Sit behind Tannehill for a year, learn how to read the quarter coverage, stuff like that. And then after that, you have you have this perfect situation where it's, you know, you got Derrick Henry, you have a, this fully fleshed out wide receiver core already around you. You have a really good organization. Um, it, it's a really, really good situation. But yeah, he, he does have stuff to learn. Um, there's also stuff with the footwork and the technique and stuff like that. But just as far as the physical tool set, it's absolutely ridiculous. You just don't see guys that, that have the arm strength that he does, the athleticism that he has and stuff like that that, that come into the draft. It, it, you know, you just don't. 
the Michael Vick comp. I mean, that's <laughs> pretty hardy right there. And Michael Vick wasn't long ago where he was just a fantasy cheat code. So uh, Willis falling very far in rookie drafts now. People think, you know, he's ever going to play all that. I think he's definitely one of those guys. If you have a decent quarterback core, you can wait one, two years, especially the way you're saying, like, could be a cheat code, especially get him around round three in rookie drafts now type of things. So, Take him. Take yeah, him. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, yeah, the, the fact that people are out on him, I, I would be grabbing him in every single fantasy draft that I possibly could. I'd take take the gift. And, and what risk do you have in the third round? I mean, right. people people trade third round dynasty, you know, picks like they're six round NFL draft picks, like they're nothing. Like exactly. take Malik Willis in the third. If he doesn't pan out, who cares? But like right. if he does, again, you have a cheat code going for it. Or especially especially if it's like a super flex league, Not grab him in every single draft that you possibly can. Love it. Love the take. Love all the takes, Thor. This was such a blast being able to catch up with you here and your takes on some of the most crucial rookie draft day decisions. Do you mind just letting our listeners one more time know where to find your work and anything you'd like to promote? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at ThorKU and you can find my my other my professional work at NBC Sports Edge. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much for being so generous with your time. Really appreciate having you on again. It's always a blast. Appreciate you, brother. Good, good seeing you again. Good to see you too. All righty, we'll pack and we'll now hit the uh, mailbag for you. So take Thor out. Thanks again, Thor. Really appreciate the time, brother. Uh, we'll hit the, the mailbag, but really always one of the best interviews. One of my favorite rookie analysts, college football analysts that you could possibly ask for. So thanks again for all the time. Thank you, Wolfpack, for tuning in. Tunes asked for thoughts on uh Cade Otten and I know Thor had him as tight end too if, if Gronk's not back man that could be an intriguing player for sure so keep that one on the record hey Jeremiah hey Ian good to see you man thanks for tuning in um ah oh man awesome stuff as always from Thor so Wolfpack if you enjoyed the show and you haven't already subscribed please consider joining us over on YouTube and over on uh, Facebook, wherever you prefer, watching your videos. We're on both. You can find us at Rose Street Journal. Consider subscribing, joining the Wolf Pack. We're going to have some great rookie interviews lined up. Scott Barrett coming on soon. Hoping to get Danny Kelly over at the ringer. So lots of good rookie content. And then, of course, as you long-term listeners know, we have the Fantasy Wolf Series coming this summer, as we always do. Big guns like Evan Silva. Uh, again, Scott Barrett will probably come out again because he's the man. Ian Harden, some of the legends will be returning. We're trying to stack it with even more great guests. So please consider subscribing if you like this fantasy content. You can find all the written content over at rotostreetjournal.com where we breed and feed fantasy wolves. Got a big board for rookies. Got a big board for redraft. Dynasty, I got to update this weekend. But all your content you need, the Roto Street Journal, Stockwatch, everything is there to help you dominate and pave your path to 2022 titles. And, of course, the Fantasy Fullback Dive is the podcast form of this. If you do like listening to podcasts and prefer that, you can find us on Apple, iTunes, all the wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be there for you. Thanks again so much for tuning in. And in a world full of fancy sheep, guys, be the wolf. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned.
football right there, folks.